This message was presented at the DYC 2013 conference, Before Man and Angels, in Orlando, Florida. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.dycweb.org. Our Father, you made the mind, you created the chemistry, you know what makes us tired, you, you know what perks up our energy. I pray that the Holy Spirit will affect our biochemistry today, that we may be able to endure, that we will enjoy what we read, that you will block out those things that distract us. We thank thee, Lord, that you are the greatest instructor, and through a faulty instrument such as myself, your name will be glorified. We ask for these gifts, for we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. This one, you'll really have to be able to see the board. And so I still haven't figured out the logistics and how everyone's going to see the board here. I just don't know. And so um, is this the angle that most people can see it? Or do I have to turn it a certain way, this board? Turn it left, right, straight? It's good? Turn the platform this way? Okay. By the way, those of, us, those of you listening on Audioverse, again, that's tinyurl.com forward slash Daniel Talks. The studies will not be covering completely, so that's just for your own studies. The table of contents, same thing, that's to help to navigate through the studies. The study outline is what you want to pull up right now if you're listening on audioverse.com. Uh, the study outline is what you want to pull out. The study one, two, three, four, and five, and six. And you just want to do the appropriate study for each talk. Let's say after the convention today, now I'm trapped, huh? After the convention today, late at night, you saw the booths, and you, you talked to a friend, it's 11, 12 o'clock. By the way, you're going to need sleep for Daniel 11, by the way, but let's say it's 11, 12 o'clock, you had the talk, and it's, you, you got lost on the way to Hilton, I don't know how, because it's a tunnel, but you got lost on the way to Hilton, you were outside, and you hear a gunshot, and you hear, help, help. And against your better judgment, you shouldn't run towards gunshots. You hear the help, help. So you run to, the alley, you run to an alley where people, someone is moaning and dying. And you get to the alley, and you see a man with a gun in his hand, and it's still smoking. You see a man on the floor, and he's bleeding through his chest. And then the police come right after. They're, they're all over the place here. And they come right afterwards. The sirens and everything. Put your hands up, and you're standing there as a bystander and they notice that you're a bystander, they pull you aside, and they ask you, what did you see? You didn't see anything, but you see a smoking gun, and you can assume everything from that, can't you? You see, <clears throat> Adventism has a smoking gun, and it's called the great contract. It's called the investigative judgment. We're holding it in our hand and it's smoking. What do I mean by that? If you go up online, I don't recommend this if you're a novice in Adventism or prophecy, but if you go online, you type in Seventh-day Adventism cult, you will see some things. You will see Ellen White, maybe about some rooms in the sanitarium, and the shut door, you will 
see things like um, day-year prophecy, but certainly you will see the investigative judgment. You will see it, or it's not really a legit sight. And what you will see is this. These Adventists, they prophesied once, at least twice, and sometimes a third time that Jesus will be coming back. And it failed. And this is the greatest cover-up in the history of time. They came out that same year and made this prophetic lineage, line, and states that, oh, Jesus went somewhere else, not earth. And out came the Seventh-day Adventist church. And one of the greatest authors, who, proponents of the investigative judgment, he actually refuted and said, I don't believe that anymore. One of the greatest authors of the landmark papers of the investigative judgment, Elder Crozier. I don't believe that. And they'll quote him. And that's our smoking gun. And they'll say, what did you see, world? And what's the world going to say? We have a mountain of circumstances against us. Excuse me, I forgot to turn on one microphone. I do apologize. I am not, I'm just going to say it, I'm not used to being recorded. Unless the government is recording me. And I didn't know it. It might be, huh? By the way, I have no credentials by to speak. And so I don't have an MD. I don't have an MD. I don't have a PhD or master's or MDiv. So this is great for you because everything I say, you have to test the truth by the Bible. Because it's not true because Joe Kim said it because it doesn't matter what Joe, it literally doesn't matter what Joe Kim says. I know Pastor Finley goes up there and says sometimes, it doesn't matter what Pastor Finley says, but it does to me because I, I love the man. But it doesn't really matter what Joe Kim says because I'm, I'm a nobody. So everything I say, you really should test by the Bible and scripture. But anyway, we have a mountain of circumstance and one chapter saying that we're right and one chapter we misinterpreted. And the world is saying, what did you see? And we're holding a smoking gun. We're going to turn the tables on that today. You will walk out of this room today. You will if you stay awake with a molehill of circumstance. In fact, that circumstance actually prophesied in Habakkuk and Revelation 10, by the way. You know that, right? In Hebrews. And a mountain of evidence. And not just a mountain of evidence, a mountains of clear, concise, unambiguous evidence that you will understand today. You will. You need to come out of this room. If you don't, you're welcome to talk a little bit more with that in mind. Has there ever been a prophecy in the Bible where people played a part of but got it wrong. They were actually in the prophecy itself, but they misinterpreted the prophecy. Jesus is riding upon a coal a full of a donkey or an ass. And what were they saying? Hosanna, son of David. Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And what did the Pharisees say? So you got to stop this guy from talking like this. And Jesus said, I can't. For if they didn't talk, I'm perfect. Then the stones and rocks would cry out. It has to be accomplished. The prophecy must be fulfilled. Now, let me tell you something. Just because 
they misinterpreted the prophecy of the Messiah's first coming. Does that mean Jesus never became a man? Just because they misinterpreted Jesus' death on the cross, did that mean he didn't die for us? Just because it was misinterpreted that Jesus is coming back, does that not mean he's coming back? I'm not saying evidence yet, but we have biblical proof that people who misinterpreted does not mean that it won't happen. It's a, there's a certainty about him coming back. There's a certainty about him ministering in the most holy place today. And we'll talk about that now. When you look at the Bible, Daniel chapter 7. And while you're turning to 7, I'm going to look at the schedule so I'll know I'm a really, real stickler for time here. 11 o'clock, okay, I'll make sure that we close. You have plenty of time to not miss anything else. Daniel 7. When you study prophecy, or any book of the Bible, a good way to study it is to look for what kind of passage. Come on in. If you miss anything, look at, again, tinyurl.com forward slash Daniel Talks. Come on in. You won't miss a thing in that non-inverse. When you study the Bible and you see a passage, two things you want to do is see what type of words or phrases are repeated several times or what part of that prophecy or passage has committed from it a large portion to one thing. But remember that, what's it talking about? Like, what is a lot of it talking about? A word that's repeated several times, for instance, in Daniel 7, is dominion. Dominion or dominions is written eight times in some form or language. That means it's important. When God repeated a prophecy to Pharaoh in two separate prophecies, Joseph interpreted twice, and God said, listen, listen, if I said it twice, it's certain that it will happen. So if God says something eight times in a chapter, it's important. If God commits half a chapter to it, it's important. And dominion means who writes the laws? Who is in charge? Who will you serve? So a question you should ask when you read Daniel 7 is who will you serve? Who writes the laws of this land? Just like when we get to Daniel 8 after lunch, the question that is asked in Daniel 8 is who will you worship? But we'll talk about that later. Daniel 7 is who will you serve? Now, what is the big overlying theme of Daniel 7? I had you turn Daniel 7, but I was premature. Turn with me to Joshua. You might as well put your Bible marker on Daniel 7 because it will be a study on the investigative judgment. Joshua, chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. I just don't know how to do this where everyone sees it. I'm just going to have to try our best. I won't read the whole passage. When you read scripture, sometimes, unlike Western literature, where where is the climax in most suspense novels? At the end. When you read Hebrew literature, oftentimes, the climax will kind of be in the middle, where, middle, where it builds up a point. It'll give point A, point B, point C. It'll give the point, and then it'll kind of back up in either reverse or the same order, repeating what it just said for emphasis. It kind of makes a climax in the middle, or a chiasm, if you will. So you look at the middle to kind of see what it's talking about. Sometimes there's other ways 
literature does it, does it in Hebrew parallelism, where it repeats the same thought. That's a great way to read Psalms, by the way. What parallels are there? But anyway, so it makes a point, A, B, C, and it goes back down to reverse order, C, B, A, or something to that effect. Sometimes it does a little bit different variation, but that's the general idea. So in the middle, in Joshua 1, 5, verse 9, I mean 1, 5 through 9, do you see somewhere where it says, I will be with thee? You see that, right? Verse 5, right? With thee. Oh, I'm sorry, my writing's messy. Okay? Do you see where it says in verse 6, be strong? You see that, right? Do you see where it says, observe the law in verse 7? Do you see that? In verse 8, do you see where it says, law will not depart? Do you see that? Do you see in verse 9 where it says, be strong? Do you see that? Good. And verse 9, do you also see, not the exact words, the Lord will be with, Lord thy God is with thee. Okay, do you see that? Lord with thee. What is the emphasis or the theme of this passage? Joshua is going to lead Israel to a foreign nation of a lot of pagans. What was the theme of this passage? They're all important topics. God is with them. But what is the emphasis? Keep the law. You're going to see a lot of pagans. They're going to have a lot of religions. Keep the law. Now, these are, I'm not saying that's more important, but a Hebrew should walk away with a thought in their mind, the last thought, so to speak. I better keep the law if I'm going to a foreign country. Do you see that? Does the vision of Daniel 7 have the same format? Now, the vision itself is from 2 through 14. And the rest is kind of a conversation almost. Daniel and an angel said, what does this mean? What does this mean? You know, it goes back and forth, back and forth. Daniel, now you're in Daniel. This is all in your outline, so you can kind of see the outline as well. Daniel 7, do you see where it says, verse 4 through 6, do you see where it talks about three beasts? Verse 4 through 6? Do you see in verse 7 where it says, talking about the fourth beast? Again, audioverse, you're probably going to need the study outline in front of your hands to see what I'm drawing on the board, but it is there. Do you see in verse 8 it talks about the little horn? Do you see in verse 10 where it talks about judgment? 9 and 10. Do you see in verse 10 it talks about books being open? Do you see in verse 11 where it talks about a little horn? Do you see that? Do you see in verse 11 it talks about a fourth beast? Do you see that? Do you see in verse 11 it talks about, it doesn't mention specific, I don't believe, but the other, other than the rest of them, something like that, right? The three other beasts? Do you see that? I think it says the rest of them or something, right? What is the theme of the vision of Daniel 7? Judgment. Minimally, minimally, this is talking about the judgment. This chapter is. This vision is. Minimally, if, even if we don't know anything about the investigated judgment. It is talking about the Antichrist. That is important, the little horn. I'm just saying, the theme of Daniel 7 is judgment. Now, judgment. Are we told to judge? No. Why are we told not to judge? Have you ever heard the parable of the wheat and tares? Why are we told not to judge before the time? We don't have enough wisdom or understanding. I am glad that you are not in charge of whether I go to heaven. And you are glad 
that I am not in charge of whether you go to heaven. I am glad that you don't judge me. You don't judge me. Stop for pointing. And you don't judge me. Because I'd be a little worried. Who on earth could have enough wisdom and understanding to determine whether or not you are going to live or die forever and ever? Wow. Who in the world can look at a book and say, heaven, hell, heaven, hell? I don't want to judge. The Bible says not to judge. I don't want to judge. We need to use good judgment, obviously. But whoa. Turn with me in Bibles to Job chapter 12. I keep telling you to go with Daniel, but I don't refer to a verse, don't I? Job chapter 12. Just put that little sliver in Daniel. Oh, no, I did. We went through the vision, didn't we? Job chapter 12. Who on earth? kind of know the answer already, this, this one, don't you? Who on earth has enough wisdom and understanding to do this type of work? Daniel, I mean, Job, chapter 12, verse 12. With the ancient is wisdom, and in the length of days, understanding. So if I just had someone who was ancient and length of days, maybe I could find someone who is wise enough and has enough understanding. Isn't that true? If I could find someone who is ancient and many days, if I could find someone who is ancient of days, who in the world is ancient of days that can do the judgment? Do you know the answer? Some of you are smiling because you know what it says in Daniel 7. Go to Daniel 7, verse 9. Daniel 7, verse 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down. And the ancient of days did sit. What is this man, what is this God, excuse me, about to do? <coughs> Judgment. Now, in ancient times, the ruler was the judge. When Moses broke up the, broke up the fight between the two Israelites in Egypt, one of the, the Israelites said, well, you're going to kill me too? Who made you prince or judge? Who made you, I mean king, who made you prince and judge over us? The same thing. Solomon, when God said, what do you want, Solomon, when you read the testimony of what his answer was? He says in 2 Chronicles and 1 Kings, I have the text there for you. He said, what do you want? He said, I need wisdom in one verse. And he said, the other verse said, I need understanding. I need wisdom and understanding to judge so great a people. I'm going to be king, Lord, but I need to be judged too. I need wisdom and understanding. The judge is the ruler. Now, remember I asked you that first question about what's the question the reader asked? Who, is the, who has dominion or who will you serve? Did you know that if the little, or Satan through the little horn continues to rule and no one stops him, he will have the right to judge his justice will continue to take place here on earth. Is this world just? Must it end? It has to end. Child prostitution, wars in Syria, starving children. As long as we let this man 
as long as we let this criminal rule, he will judge. And I tell you, he does not judge fairly. It has to end. The king of kings must enter judgment. He's the only fair judge. It has to end, folks. It cannot maybe hopefully end. Your life might be comfortable, but it's not very comfortable for a lot of this world. It, his reign must end. Let's figure out how to end it. Daniel chapter 7 again. We're going to briefly, briefly break down Daniel 7. The details are in the notes. We know that Daniel 7, I'll put it right here. This first kingdom by parallel is Babylon. But if you read, let's just read a verse. How about, let's read a couple of verses. Let's get more into the scripture instead of my foolish talking. Jeremiah chapter 50. I listed a lot of verses for you in the handout and even more in the study. But Jeremiah chapter 50. Verse 43 and 45. There's, there's a few I listed, but let's just look at that one. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 43 and 45. They shall hold the bow, bow and, and the lance. They are cruel and will not show mercy. Their voice shall roar like the sea, and they shall ride upon horses, everyone put in array, like a man to battle against thee, O daughter of Babylon. Verse 43. The king of Babylon, I had written 42, excuse me, I included that. The king of Babylon hath heard the report. Of, what kingdom are we talking about? Babylon hath heard the report of them, and his hands waxed feeble. Anguish took hold of him, and pangs of the woman in travail. 44, behold, he should come up like a lion. Several times in the Bible, Babylon itself is talked about as a lion, or its oppressors talk about as a lion who overtakes it too. You, look, you can look up at yourself in Ezekiel chapter 17, verses 3 and 12. Babylon also has eagle's wings. Okay, look it up for yourself. Daniel chapter 7, the first kingdom is Babylon. I think when he, right away when he saw a lion with eagle's wings, Daniel didn't have any guess to make about who it was. Second kingdom, Medo-Persia. We know that. From Daniel 5, verse 28, where it just says, Thou art weighed in the balance and found wanting. Thy kingdom shall be given to the Medes and the Persians. It just says it. Okay? You can also look up Isaiah 13, 1 and 17 on your own. It just mentions, it just says it by name. The Medes shall take you over. We do not have to guess. We do not have to guess. It's the Medes and the Persians, biblically. It just says. It names the country. Isaiah 44 even names the person. It says Cyrus is coming. You know? It, 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 there's no guessing to this. It just says Medes and the Persians, okay? Ma Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece. I gave it to you, didn't I? <laughs> the leopard is Greece. How do we know that? Daniel chapter 8, 20 and 21. Verse 20 says Medo-Persia is the one empire. I know it's the next chapter, but... And then the Fong empire is Greece. It just says it. It says you're the Grecian kingdom. Daniel chapter 11 also does the same thing, verses 2 through 4. It says Persian kings are there, and then the, Greece, the Greek king will follow. It just names the country. You do not have to guess. You don't even have to know what Greece is. You just know Greece follows Medes and Persians. Okay? 
and Daniel, I mean, Daniel chapter 7. And my, hopefully I'm going, not going too fast. I did say this is Daniel 201, you know, and so I do apologize if this is your first glance through Daniel 7. If it's fast, it's in the study. I do apologize. Um, there's some assumption that you've done this. If you haven't, you still gain something at the end, I promise, but um, I know it's a lot otherwise. There's a fourth kingdom. Now, there's a lot I want to say about the fourth kingdom. But real quickly, the one thing that you should know is that a little horn proceeds from it, that there is judgment. I just put J for this big time, okay? In fact, I need to shrink this down if I'm going to fit it all. There's little horn, it's followed by judgment, and then the, the end, okay? Or the, it says the beast was slain, the saints possessed the kingdom, or it's destroyed, or the end. I'm going to write really small. I do apologize. Just, if you can't read it, just take my faith that that's what it says, okay? Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, um, fourth kingdom is, I just put fourth even though it's Rome. Little horn, judgment, and then the end, okay? And then f finally, I'm going to put the end here like this. Let me show you something very important if you forgot all the details of what we talked about. Most of Earth's history passes. Would you agree? If Babylon, Medo, Persia, Greece, Rome, most Earth history passes. You have this little horn fella. Oh, by the way, oh, I almost forgot. Little horn, judgment, end. Everyone wake up. Little horn, judgment, end. That order is stated three times in Daniel 7. Little horn, judgment, and the end. That tells you judgment has to happen after that little horn has arisen. That's why it's important. You need to know that. Little horn, judgment, the end. You got to get that down so cold. Three times it says that Daniel 8, Daniel I mean, Daniel 7, 8, Daniel 7, 20, Daniel 7, 24, talks about the little horn. You got to know that order, like cold, because that proves, at least from the text, that little horn, judgment, and the end. Didn't I just say most of Earth's history? So when is the judgment? Before most of Earth's history or after most of Earth's history? You've got so much already. You've got so, do you see that? If God repeats it three times, let's not mess around. Okay? Three times he said it. We can't mistake in it. So most of Earth's history... You got this little horn that in verse 25 says it, it oppresses. I'm just going to OP, you take my word for it, okay? And then the end. Now, this is our, how do you, I said it earlier, this is our, our smoking gun. Now, if I was under trial, this is the big picture. This is the first thing I would say, well, listen, this is what it is, right? It's most of Earth's history. This little horn oppresses. You have the judgment. I'll write that in a different color. You have the judgment. I'll put it in J right here. This is, I'll put I-J, investigative judgment. Do you see that? Most of Earth's history, little horn with all that oppression going on, the judgment, and then the end. Is the judgment before most of Earth's history? In the middle of most of Earth's history? After most of Earth's history? And then judgment and the end. Congratulations, you now agree with about 1% of the world. You really do after that one chapter right there. That's how we get it, by the way. Most of Earth's history, little horn, judgment, the end. Now, this guy's on trial. Let's say Jimmy's on trial. He just shot Johnny, or people think he shot Johnny. And he's got a smoking gun. We just took a big picture. Jimmy's a nice guy. We're looking at Daniel 7 alone. But what Jimmy really needs right around now in the legal proceedings is what we call someone who saw where he was, or maybe was with him at the time of the shooting. What do we call that? When someone is with somebody who is accused of murder, we call that a, a alibi. 
Now, if Jimmy just had an alibi, that would be so great. You know what I'm saying? If Jimmy at least had one person say, oh, I was with Jimmy. They say, oh, okay, we believe you. Does Jimmy have an alibi? Let's call Jimmy's mother his alibi. We call that Daniel chapter 2. Because everyone believes mom, right? Daniel chapter 2 is Jimmy's first alibi. Jimmy, where were you that night? I was with mom. We were baking cookies. Now listen, I say that facetiously, but listen. You don't realize how powerful Daniel 2 is. If you can connect Daniel 2 and 7 together, you have proven that most of Earth's history has passed before the judgment. God made it simple so that it cannot move. Remember that story in John chapter 9 about the blind man? So who healed you? Who healed you? So I don't know. You guys should know. He just healed me. Simple argument, right? If you can prove Daniel 2 and 7 are connected, you've just locked down that most of Earth's history has passed before the judgment. That is powerful. That is a huge alibi. Alibi number one is Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, most of Earth's history, okay? And then the end. I'm sorry about my writing. It just, this board, I'm blaming on the board, it's floppy. And then the end. This is Jimmy's mom. What a great alibi your mom is, right? But you know what the Bible says? <clears throat> oh, how do you prove that together? Let's do that real quickly. Oh, let's do this again. I'm going to start off the top of my head. I might be missing some things. Um, how do you know they're combined? How do you know two and seven are combined? Or same thing? Both are talking about how many kingdoms? Okay. Um, the fourth beast had iron. And the fourth kingdom was iron. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Is there anything else that makes them the fourth kingdom? They both end in everlasting kingdoms. So it starts from one kingdom ends in everlasting kingdom. Both fourth kingdoms break in pieces. Literally those words. Um, the fourth kingdom in one turns into ten toes. The fourth kingdom in the other had ten horns. That's a good one. And you see a hierarchy of metals in the image, and you see of gold being the best, and then you see this hierarchy of animals, like this high to low kind of range, you know? It is the same prophecy. Alibi number one. But you know the Bible says one alibi is not enough, because we need to hear the mouth of two or... So do we have two or three witnesses? Let's call in a second alibi, should we? Shall we? How about the librarian? Everyone trusts the librarian, right? You ever had a book that was overdue and they just got you on 10 days overdue, you owe them 50 cents? They're really very, very, if they're a librarian here, I do apologize. But let's ask the librarian. Maybe the librarian was over with Johnny, Jimmy, and his mother baking cookies that night. Um, the first beast is um, a goat, which is Babylon. I, excuse me. Thank you, Medo-Persia. Being recorded because I say things like that. Medo Persia. It just says that, verse 20, doesn't it? And then the second bit here is called, it's a ram, and it is what? Greece. And then we have this little horn fellow, which why we'll talk about why that's the same language later. So you have most of Earth's history again. You have this oppressing power, okay? Oppression. Then you have this day of atonement. And then you have the end. What did you just prove again? That most, if you locked in seven and eight, that's in my notes, by the way. I, we don't have time to lock in seven and eight together. I think that's study number three. 
um, page two and three, not the outline, but study online, study three, page two and three, how to lock in seven and eight together, okay? Once again, you have a second alibi. Most of Earth's history, something occurs, and then the end. You now have two prophecies that says most of Earth's history have passed. That's what they support, okay? But the Bible says not two witnesses, but maybe three. Shall we look for a third witness? You know, I like, I like Jimmy's mom. I like the librarian, but maybe the, Jimmy's mom and the librarian are kind of playing favorites. So maybe if we had maybe an off-duty police officer, maybe eating cookies or donuts with Jimmy and his mom, maybe. We'll call the off-duty police officer Daniel chapter 11. Versus, I'm, I don't have the right in front of me. I'm not carrying my Bible. I'll, two and three, I think. Talk about, yes, two and three. Talk about the kings of Persia. It just says it. Followed by a mighty king with, with divisions, Greece. Talks about all the divisions of Greece. The king of North, king of South, talking about the divisions of Greece up until verse 16, where it talks about a new nation, Rome, verse 16. It talks about another new nation in 31, talks about papacy or papal Rome. And then a whole lot of persecution. So you have this papacy, and it's all in, we'll cover this in Daniel 11, by the way. Papacy, a lot of persecution, OP, and then the end. Three witnesses. Most of Earth's history has passed and then the judgment, and then the end. Three witnesses, one, two, and three. Listen, you can have some complicated arguments against this, but start simple. If you can prove and you lock together these three, it is unmovable. If you got a piece, a two by four, and put one nail in the middle, can you spin it? You can, but you put two, can you spin it? Can you put three, can you spin it? Can you put, if you put four nails in it, can you spin it? It's staying there. This is staying there because it has the evidence of three witnesses. But you know what? <clears throat> uh, when I'm suturing and operating, <clears throat> and I have this tight, tight suture going on, and I can see the skin just kind of <clears throat> I, I want to sleep that night. So what I'll do is sometimes I'll just ask the nurse for another suture, you know? So give me another one, just kind of tight together, you know? I like extra padding, so to speak. So I have Jimmy's mom. I have Jimmy's librarian. I have an off-duty sheriff. Let's ask the mayor. Let's ask the mayor if he was with Jimmy that night making cookies. And let's call the mayor, Revelation chapter 12, verse, I mean, through 14. You know Revelation 12 through 14 is a repetition of Daniel 7 because the same imagery is noted in Daniel, Revelation 13. We know there's a lion, a bear, a leopard, and the fourth beast in Revelation 7. In Revelation 13, what do we see? We see a body of a leopard. We see feet of a bear. And we see mouth of a same thing. Now, it's not chronological per se, but it's 12 doesn't end, so to speak. It just ends with a dragon being wroth with the woman. 13 doesn't quite end. It talks about um, 666. 14 does end with Jesus' second coming. So when you break it down, you look for the chronological landmarks, you see in Revelation 12, 4, you see a dragon trying to devour a child. Who was that talking about? 
Jesus, okay? Jesus and Satan. Verse 12, 6, 13, and 14. 12, 6, 13, and 14. We read this in the previous study. Talking about a woman fleeing in the wilderness. What period of time do we call that? Dark ages, exactly. The 1260 years. A whole lot of persecution going on. Then we read in 14, verse 7, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. And verse 7 says what? Fear God, give glory to him for the hour of his... Oh, that's a good alibi. I like that alibi. Judgment. 14, verse 7, talks about judgment. And then 14, verse 14. A man sitting in the sky, coming in the, from the clouds with a sickle. Who, who cares a sickle? What kind of occupation? A farmer. The Bible says in Matthew 13, I want to say 39, that the harvest is the end of the world. So this man with a sickle is Jesus himself at the second coming. It's the end. So you see, most of Earth's history, of HX, and those are audioverse, I'm just writing most of Earth's history, just a line with HX on a history. Most of Earth's history Judgment, just a little J, and then the end. Oh, by the way, judgment, the whole chapter 13 is talking about oppression, by the way. Oh, I mentioned that, I'll talk about that later. So let's look at this. Most of Earth's history, little horn, an oppressing power, judgment, the end. Most of Earth's history, Daniel 2, the end. Daniel 8, most of Earth's history, the end. Daniel 7, Daniel 11, most of Earth's history, the end. Daniel 12 through 14. Most of Earth's history, thank you very much. Most of Earth's history, someone corrected me, said Revelation. Judgment with a lot of oppression going on before it, the end. How many witnesses do we have now? It's starting to look pretty good. You know what? I got to put one more suture in there, don't I? Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. This is talking about the seals. If you're not familiar with the seals, that's a book. They didn't have books like we do today. They had seals. They wrapped them up like scrolls, and it was opened. And at the fifth seal, after most of Earth's history, let's just turn there. Let me turn there too. Most of Earth's history, Revelation chapter 6. Let me turn to it myself. I do. It's just awkward here how everything's connected. Verses 1 through 8 talks about the other seals or most of our history. Let's say seal 1 through 4. I'm going to put history. And then verse 9. Do you see where people were slain? Okay, in verse 9. See, I see most of history. Do you see where it says people were slain? Verse 9, chapter 6, of, on the seals. Do you see that? Do you see in verse 10 where he says um, about judgment? Do you see that in verse 10? Let me read that one. And they cried with a loud voice. People, people who were dead, just like Cain's blood cried. It wasn't just literally people crying, dead people crying. 
And the crowd with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So that's talking about judgment or asking for judgment. Verse 4, the response, I mean, number 4, the response. It says in verse 11 that they'll be given what? White robes. And then in verse 11, was it, were they the last ones that were going to be killed? What does it say? That should be, what does it say? Unto thy fellow servants also that their brethren that should be killed as they were. Verse 11, do you see that? Others killed. Does that mean the end of time has come quite yet? And you can read for yourself the following verses talk about the second coming, the signs of the second coming, okay? Oh, chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6 talking about the six seals. Chapter 6. One, verses 1 through 8 it just simply talks about the preceding seals and we're picking up at the fifth seal. And then the end, or the second coming. I can put second coming because of the signs of the second coming. So this one I want you to... This is, I wish I had five of these. This one, you, <laughs> if you fell asleep, you have to have this one, okay? So wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Okay, this one you have to have, okay? Selah. I'm holding up Selah for audioverse. Most of Earth's history has passed. Do you see that? People were slain. Remember all that oppression I was talking about? Then judgment. People were given white robes. That makes sense? After the judgment, that makes sense? It wasn't the end of time because there were still people that were going to be killed. Does that make sense? It couldn't be the end of time because the Bible said, rest a little longer because there will be others like yourself that are going to be killed. Do you see that? More time to become. And then the second coming. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I present before you the Seventh-day Adventist doctrine of the investigated judgment. Know this. This is our doctrine. It's a pre-Advent judgment after much of the world's history, after a lot of persecution. Get this order down, rock solid. If it isn't, just ask me later. This is a have to know. Everything else is just embellishment after this, you know? So what do we have here? One, two, three, four, five, six major lines of prophecy. But you know what? I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. That means I like the number Revelation chapter 3. We have the fifth church. So four have passed. I mean, most of Earth's history has passed. I'll get into, well, I won't be able to get it today. Um, you can tell by the 1260 day in Thyatira that most of Earth's history has passed, but I can't get that into today. But most of Earth's history has passed because we're at the fifth church, just like we're at the fifth seal. They're not the same thing, but most of Earth's history has passed, okay? Then you talk about, um, excuse me, if you're on verse... Chapter 3, verse 5. What does it say? Let me turn to it myself. He that overcometh. Oh, what an irony that fifth seal and fifth church are talking about similar things. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in what? White raiment, and I will not blot his name from the book of life. So most of earth's history. Now, there's a reward for everybody, but specifically they tell this group because something is going on with this group of people. He that overcomes, uh, I just put O, oh, you can have, assume that's overcome. 
you're going to get a white robe. In other words, if you don't overcome, your name will be blotted out. If you do overcome, your sins will be blotted out. Most of Earth's history, the judgment, and then the white robe. Do you see that, my friends? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We stand on solid ground. Don't count with me. When I touch the board, say boom. I like sound effects. Boom, 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 boom. Are you kidding me? We have a smoking gun. I don't want to sound pompous or arrogant. I mean, I don't want us to go out like that either. Are you? I was, I was going to name this. I was, this is called the investigated judgment, this talk. I literally just want to call, are you kidding me? Every single major line of pre-Advent prophecy in Daniel Revelation point to the judgment. And we are in trial. Are you kidding me? Just because we're in the minority, we've acted like mice. We should not be proud. We should not be pompous about this. We should be humble and meek like our Savior. But I'm telling you, some things get you kind of upset. Upset might not be the right spirit. That I know James and John had, were upset too. But it just stirs within you some odd, odd feelings, doesn't it? I, I want to stir peace and joy with you. But having said that, it's a smoking gun versus mountain, a mountain of biblical evidence. Our position is solid. Keep it basic. Let no one shake your, your standing. Our, our position is solid as a rock. Now, people can say, well, that's prophecy. Does the Bible talk anywhere about this judgment? Remember Moses after the calf? And God said, I'm going to give you a new people. And Moses said, not them, Lord, in, in um, Exodus 32, but if you won't forgive their sins, dot, dot, hyphen, pause. In other words, he said, blot my name out of the book. Did Moses know about a book and a blotting out? And he also goes on to say, God responds to him, no, no, no. Them that sin will be blotted out. And what is sin? It's a transgression of the law. And the Bible talks about one kind of law that we're under judgment. James chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. A great easy way to memorize it is James 2.12. Romans 2.12 through 16. Both talk about the kind of laws that, will, that is the standard of our judgment. Okay, by the way, it's just an easy way, I guess a mnemonic, to memorize what law we're judged by at the end time. Now, I, I want to close with a couple of thoughts here. You must have two questions answered before you leave this room. And if you don't, come back and ask me and I'll re-explain it. You must have two questions answered on, in your mind solid before you leave. One, why in the world are these people using books? And two, two things are going on, a judgment, but something else is going on in Daniel 7. You see the Son of Man going out to the Ancient of Days to receive glory, I think it says a dominion, I think it says kingdom. Two things. Why do they need books? And second, why is God the Son going up to God the Father to get dominion and kingdom? Are they just playing house? Here, you take this. I have an 18-month-old son. 
as well as a one-month-old, or 19-month-old now, and as well as a one-month-old daughter. And I clean out the uh, dishwasher with them, my son. I mean, not the daughter, obviously. And he'll hand me one thing at a time. And I know it takes me five times longer to do it because he's doing that. And sometimes he'll drop things and whatever. Why are the father and son playing house here? Here, you take this glory and kingdom and dominions. Question number one. What about these books? Does God need books? No, the Bible says the Lord knoweth them that are his. He knows who's written in this book. Does God forget anything? No, 1 John 3, 20 says God knows everything. And that's exactly the argument. Here we go again. Selah. If you read those sites, they'll say, number, argue number one, what in the world does your God need a book for? Rome, Revelation 3 talks about how Jesus is confessing his name before the angels and the Father. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 12, 8. Luke chapter 12. Two questions. One is books, and second question, dominion. Luke chapter 12. And, excuse me, also. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me, I'm positive so we can find out here, I hear pages turning, you can, I want everyone to hear, Luke 12, 8. Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man confess before the angels of God. Now when it says the word Son of Man, it's talking about Jesus as a man, obviously. And Jesus needed to be a man to be our perfect high priest when you read in Hebrews. So when Jesus is the Son of Man confessing, it's our representative, so to speak, you know? Confessing our names. Now, Revelation says between God and his angels. But this verse says, excludes something to bring out a point. That he's confessing our names specifically also to the angels. You know, pretty soon the angels are going to have some neighbors. Have you ever lived in a neighborhood where you didn't like your neighbors? You were looking at him walk, going in, they're all teenagers, and um, they're bringing in guns and ammo. You're looking out your window. You see the father smoking in the lawn. You go, oh, we need to move, honey. The angels are going to have a lot of neighbors soon. And these neighbors did some bad things because the Bible says all have sinned. In fact, these neighbors perpetrated the worst crimes other than the Satan and his demons themselves. These neighbors have perpetrated the worst crimes in the history of the universe. And they're going to be the neighbors of angels. <laughs> and one of the angels are going to say one day, I wonder why Joe made it. And he's going to look at the book. And he's going to say, true and righteous are thy ways, O Father. He deserves to plant his garden next to mine. The world does need to know. God knows, but the universe needs to see something. Demonstrate to them why are they worthy. And they're examining my book and yours. Or the book with my name and yours. The second question. What is this playing of house? I said that the Son of Man means he's our representative. The Bible said that there is one God and one mediator between God and man. And who does it say that it is? In fact, it says the man, Jesus Christ in Timothy, right? The man Jesus Christ. And what does it say in Daniel? That the Son of Man went up to 
the Father to receive a what? Dominion and a kingdom, and amongst other things. Who did I say, if he's going to receive a kingdom, who did I say is judge in old times? The king is judge. So if, this, if the Son of Man is going to receive a kingdom, who is going to be judge? Son of Man. Do you know in John 5, 22 and 27 says that God has committed all judgment to the Son? Let me review for you what I just told you if it hasn't hit you yet. Our judge is our advocate. Are you getting what I just told you? Our judge is our advocate. Are you afraid of the judgment? If you for confess and forsake your sins, what do you think the results are going to be in that day? Come thou, enter into the, into the kingdom. If God before, who can be? Our judge is our advocate. Do you, do you get what we're saying? You cannot lose this judgment. If you confess and forsake your sins today in the time of judgment, you will be in the kingdom. You might feel as though you're a sinner. You might feel like you've done wrongs, but your advocate is your judge. You will not fail. Is this sound like something that should be part of the gospel? That's exactly what Paul says in Romans 2. He said, you'll be judged according to my gospel. That's exactly what it says in Revelation 14, when the angel had the everlasting gospel to preach into the world. He begins by saying, the time of judgment has come. It's part of the gospel. It is a warning, but it is also an invitation. When people take away the message of the investigative judgment, my friends, they're taking verily away the mess, part of the message of the gospel. I praise God that in no un unambiguous terms, God has shown me the gospel in us. We ought not to be proud, and forgive me for the proud language I used to demonstrate this, we ought to be joyful. We ought to be confident in the Lord about this message. Don't feel uncomfortable and sweating when the people tell you the Greek and the Aramaic and the you know, you know, Hebrew says this. And, uh, you know, someone told me, try to prove the Sabbath day and uh, 1260 days are wrong by the, the Gregorian calendars and the lunar calendars are off. And I don't know nothing about Gregorian calendars. But I know this. You know what I'm saying? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God has given us a sure foundation. Don't be afraid. You can go ahead and share it. You don't have to be afraid about the questions they'll ask about the professor in some graduate school who knows a lot about, more about the Bible than you, who knows a lot more about, about, about the Bible than me. Do not be afraid. You know this. And like the blind man, go preach it. We're going to close the prayer before we do. Please eat a, not, if necessary, a light lunch, but a nutritious lunch. Um, the next two lectures aren't easy. This was the, the cream, okay? We're going to get into the bread and the nuts and all that good stuff and the meatloaf, so to speak, the veggie meatloaf afterwards. So you can eat. I know some of you boys can eat. But eat a nutritious lunch, and please take a walk if it's not raining outside. You'll need it. We're going to hit it hard in Daniel 8 and Daniel, and then the prophetic interpretation. Let us pray. Father in heaven, you don't need an apology. 
When will there be men who, is true, who are true to principle as the needle is to the pole, who cannot be bought and sold, who will not be wavering when questioned about their release? Where are these men and women, Lord? I'm so humble because I'm not able. But your word is powerful. We can all stand on this. Every single one in this room can stand on the mighty fortress of the word of God given by your son and the world's savior. Teach us not to hate. Teach us not to be argumentative. Teach us to share, to sigh, and to cry. We thank you, dear Lord, for the blessings you've bestowed upon us as a Seventh-day Adventist church. May we be faithful. May we be blessed. In the name of Jesus Christ. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, please visit us online at www.gycweb.org.